Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Focus on Albany. I'm Cynthia Poor, and my guest today is Leon Van Dyke. And Leon was with the brothers back in the sixties, and he's gonna and he lived eleven years in the Philippines, so he's gonna talk about what life is like down there now. So before we start talking about the Philippines, Leon, first of all. I want to ask you, how are you feeling? Oh, much better. Getting stronger. And, uh, good. Um, yeah, I'm doing, I'm doing, I'm doing good. I want to thank everybody who's concerned about me. Uh, I'm, I'm quite sure that helped me in my rehabilitation. Right. I'm sure. So, dating back to the 60s, can you give us a brief over Brothers Accomplished? Uh, well, uh, I'll start by saying that, uh, one, uh, I think the civil rights movement overall, that uh, we changed this society from uh, an apartheid-type system where blacks couldn't even vote or drink at water balance with white to a much more egalitarian one. And I'm saying that, uh, I'm not saying that things have changed to such an extent that it doesn't need improvement. Obviously, it needs a lot of improvement. Uh, uh, In in terms of the brothers' achievement, uh, there were so many things. We would not have a, uh, it was not possible uh, for, to elect Obama, for example, to office, if we had not won the uh, uh, Voting Rights Act that was passed in 1965, many of the things that we take for granted uh, now uh, uh, was not so back in the uh, 60s. I mean, most of the universities that uh, that you see with the uh, 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 blacks and Native Americans or Latinos on just mm-hmm. was not the case and we changed that uh, I, I think mm-hmm. we made a difference so, I'm sorry now would you say that the brothers were uh, instrumental in creating that change in Albany oh we certainly uh, uh uh, certainly, I mean, back in the uh, uh, in the so-called good old days, mm-hmm. uh, we had two black elected officials. Uh, one was a committee man, and one was a county legislator. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, when you went to city hall, there's one black clerk, uh, housing. One one, it was difficult to find a black who could rent a house above Northern Boulevard uh, back in those days. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, we did a lot. We protested about housing discrimination, about employment, about uh, the $5 book, which seems like ancient history that, that when you think back in those days, it was, the norm was that the uh, then present Democratic Party uh, <clears throat> Uh, would buy uh, people's votes for five dollars, 
we put a stop to that. Uh, they they put us they put us in jail, and to our surprise, uh, we picket the polling places. Don't sell your souls for five dollars. And uh, mm-hmm. they put us in jail. They put us in jail. And at that night, people came out of the housewives from Bladenville and from uh, West Albany came out of their houses, and they picked up signs saying, "Don't sell your souls for five dollars." That was the beginning of the crack of the of, of the machine. We ran people for office. Uh, we had clinics. Uh, uh, we challenged them at every uh, uh, at, at every stage. You know, uh, Cynthia. Uh, uh, someone asked, asked, "Well, at that time, weren't you afraid?" And you know, <laughs> in youth, ignorance is bliss. You know, so. We thought they were afraid of us, <laughs> but that's another story. But no, so when you see the the changes that have been made, mm-hmm. um, I I think the brothers were def- were definitely responsible for some of that change. Great, you're an icon in Albany. Everybody speaks so highly of you. So oh, uh, yeah. then you then um, after that. You worked for the state for a while, didn't you? Pardon me? After after the brothers disbanded, you worked for the state for a while, right? Yeah, I worked for the state over 25, about 25 years. Okay. Uh, I worked for the Office of Civil Rights in the State Education Department. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, at, uh, and I... Uh, I, I uh, worked uh, I worked my way through graduate school substitute teaching. Uh, I substitute taught practically every school except the district of Albany, of course. Uh, I don't think Mayor Corning would approve that if he taught me in one of the schools. But yeah, no, I yeah, I worked for the State of Chase Park for a long time, and then I worked for I also worked for the Black and Hispanic Legislative Caucus. Uh, as a research associate. Oh wow! So you you lived in the Philippines uh, a number of years, and you you left the Philippines right before the pandemic because you had health problems. So yeah. from your understanding, from your understanding, what is life like down there right now? Is it worse than you know? Maybe the United States. Uh, yeah, because the infrastructure is so weak there. There's practically no social uh, safety net. Uh, in the hospitals, you have. I was looking. I was looking statistics. You have about uh, one doctor in the Philippines for every thirty-three thousand people. Um, uh, you have. Uh, one bed for 1,200 patients in the public hospital. Uh, so I really feel fear for my what I, I call my second home. Uh, <clears throat> uh, for the people there, they just could not withstand a a a, a pandemic. Uh, they have no the only uh, the only defense they have against it. Is to stay away from each other in isolation. 
So even though uh, when you look at uh, the draconian tactics that the present president is using to keep people uh, to keep people away from each other, he's really saving lives because you know we, you have a, a country where one third of the people uh, who work <clears throat> make less than four dollars a day. That is not enough, uh, mm-hmm. even in the Philippines. Uh, so when you have these kinds of conditions and you have something as vicious as this pandemic, uh, uh, you, you know you, you really have uh, a, a, a problem. And I, you know, um, the third world countries like the Philippines really depend upon the World Health Organization. So when I, our president, uh, threatens to cut back money uh, or, 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 or to key, uh, keep back money from the World Health Organization for frivolous, and I mean frivolous reasons, uh, it threatens uh, countries like the Philippines because they rely on uh, dot orders. They rely on philanthropy to get through. So um, uh, I left the Philippines because I had two heart attacks and uh, there is no way for them to support to support my health condition. Uh, not to mention they have a pay-as-you-go system. So uh, uh, I was not able to, I was paying out of my pocket, and I was not able to sustain that. So I had to come back to the States where I had have Medicaid and, uh, and, and, and insurance. Uh, mm-hmm. So, uh, so you have a very poor country uh, uh, wherein uh, a large percentage of the people leave, and it's 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 best and it's brightest leave the country to go work somewhere else because there's simply no jobs for them in the Philippines. So that's another in terms of a, a brain drain. That's another problem. The compounds, when you have a pandemic like the Philippines comes to the Philippines, it strikes them very hard. So, uh, uh, but um, uh, but I I my my I have two children there, and they're they're eight and nine, and so I feel I fear for them. Hopefully, I'll be able to bring them here to the states, uh, but. That's another story. So, are they quarantined? Uh, yes, very strict quarantine. Uh, some, like Luzon, which is one of the, uh, the Philippines, is an archipelago and it's made up of 7,000 islands. Luzon mm-hmm. is one of the largest islands, and, and a host of Manila is in Luzon. Luzon is a, is a province. Uh, and the uh, the Manila, they they are cordoned off. People can't go in. People can't go out. Uh, they have uh, uh, periods of time when people can go out to buy something. Uh, my wife uh, uh, tells me that, uh, and that's 
maybe a, uh, maybe a couple of hours a week, not a couple of hours a day, a couple of hours a week. That various they let people go out in in in, uh, in blocks or what have you. They're quite a severe court quarantine, and that and, and Cynthia, that's the only way they can defend themselves against this virus. If they go to the hospital, two hospitals closed down because of the nurses and doctors who were in, in yeah, who, who who were who tested uh, uh, negatively. Uh, so the hospitals had to close down because they don't have the equipment, they don't have the gear, they don't have masks. Uh, I mean, it, it, it's a horror scene. Uh, and they, you know they're dependent on upon a, a lot of uh, countries uh, to donate masks and stuff to do that. They just don't have to. You know when you when you have uh, the revenue source is from people who make doctors uh, uh, make uh, uh, a pit. So you don't have a tax base. You don't even have a tax base. Uh, So uh, uh, the conditions that the Philippines find themselves in are ill-prepared to fight against the the uh, uh, the virus, the pandemic. but the way they, but the way the, the government is doing is through this isolation. And as I said, uh, and uh, to our way of thinking and looking at it from from uh, America or Western nations, which come, mm-hmm. the practice seems to say the curve that seems to be draconian. But they they almost left with no choice but to isolate. Uh, to test, they get they they got uh, um, uh, uh, donated to them two hundred thousand tests. Uh, but if that donation didn't come, they couldn't afford to have they, they couldn't the government could not afford to even pay for the test. And this is not just the Philippines. This is the third. We're gonna we'll, we will find that out. That this is true of most third world countries who are already burdened with debt. So when did you come back here? Was it December? I, I came back Christmas Eve. My daughter picked me up in Montreal. I flew here with my doctor uh, from Manila to Montreal. And... Uh, um, my daughter and her husband picked me up in, in Montreal and went, we came to the next day, Christmas Day, uh, we went straight to the Albany Med Center. And they, as soon as I got there, they admitted me. I mean, I was in, I was in bad shape. Hmm. So, uh, you were really in bad shape, weren't you? Um, so when you came back here at Christmas time, you know this pandemic. I mean, it really hit the, the um, press in like February and March, but there was talk of it starting back 
even before December. So was there any restrictions on travel? Did people in uh, the Philippines realize that something was happening that was not good? I think we had a clue. I certainly did. You know, I didn't have a, I, I didn't, and, and at that time, I was still out of it. Even if they were broadcasting it every day, I was really out of it. My 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 heart was functioning at twenty five percent, you know. Uh, so I was really for 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 a, a month there. I was I was really not uh, uh, conscious. Uh, so no, but uh, uh, no one mentioned to me that they were aware of it during that time. I know that. Uh, um the 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 virus uh people became somewhat aware of it in December, but I wasn't conscious of that so you're lucky you you you've got a plane to come to the United States right huh you were lucky that you got a plane to come here uh well they hadn't put the they hadn't put the quarantine. The quarantine in the Philippines hadn't started till maybe January, February. Most people had not, from my reading uh, of various different articles and what have you, uh, most people in December were really not that aware of it. And that's part of the confusion is that when did the Chinese know what happened? Uh, I think nobody really. They knew there was some kind of virus was going on, but they did not understand the extent that it was and how dangerous it was. So I think a lot of people, in hindsight, it, it's very easy to say, oh, why didn't they know? Nobody knew. You know? Right. Uh, I mean, it was like one or two cases, you know? So the... Now, none of us really knew to the extent. There's certainly the average person didn't know, or the average politician didn't know. You know, and our 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 our, our president, when you think that in January or February he was saying, "Oh, we only got 15, 15 cases, and it's going to go away by next month." Right. <laughs> <laughs> Not right. to mention the fact that he's somewhat of an idiot, so he, you know, he'll say anything. Whatever that comes out of his mind, is out, out in his head, he he will spurt it out, you know, like we should drink chlorine and all that kind of nonsense. But, but seriously, most of us uh, uh, did not know to what extent and how dangerous this virus was. Uh-huh. Uh, at, at, at that time, you know. But as I said, for me personally, um, uh, I was so out of it. As I, as I said, I was on all kinds of drugs and intravenous things. And so uh, I wasn't watching TV. I wasn't reading the paper for that first mm-hmm. month, you know. So I... I uh, I, I even if things had it, people were writing about it. Uh, I wouldn't have picked it up. So uh, you were saying, you were saying that uh, there's a lack of 
medical staff and and medicine and equipment to to help the people down in the Philippines. Would you say that that's happening in other third world countries besides the Philippines? That there's a no. lack of, of medical and medicine to help people. No question about that, Cynthia. We're, we're going to find out. Uh, I, I think that because there's very little testing in the third world countries, so they, we don't really have a good handle on just how many people uh, affected. That mm-hmm. we're going to we're, we're going to see greater and more people affected. Than we imagine. I think if we just hit the tip of the iceberg, and these countries can ill afford, can ill afford uh, to handle uh, this crisis that's coming their way. And you know, when you think that in January uh, we, you know, the world only had a few cases, and now mm-hmm. in America, now in America, you think. We have a hundred thousand, you know, and this is within two months. And we didn't, we didn't have. It took us nine, ten years of wars in Vietnam, right. Afghanistan, right. to get that many deaths. So right. you know, and, uh, so I, I, I fear for us, and, and being one of these people, uh, one of the group, a part of the group. That's I'm a senior citizen and I had two heart attacks and I have asthma and I'm black male, uh, which is one of the at risk groups. You yep. know, so you know, so it, it has to be 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 be, be I'm in better circumstances than many of my senior citizens, brothers and sisters. You know, and. Uh, uh, and I I know that I can I stay home, but I know that I can be impacted on uh, 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 if they, you know I I'm 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 directly affected with that, so I'm very much concerned um, about my fellow scene, and I'm, I'm concerned about my kids in the Philippines. My back, you know. I want to. I want to make sure I get them here, and they get a chance. Uh, and my, my my wife also. Uh, but but yeah, the third world countries they have no way of protecting themselves, and they will need the help from the West. And which 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 makes me mad when I hear our president. Uh, so cavalier and callously talk, callously talk about opening up uh, the schools for the sake so people can go to the beach and get their hair done. It's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. It's shameful, you know. So, so when you when you watch the news and, and you see the news reports of of people, you know, protesting to open everything up and and uh, you know they're pretty. Pretty forceful. Does that make you? Does that make you angry also? Yeah, listen, we have to resist that. I mean, one is is one thing. I'll be the last person 
to protest against people protesting. You know, I, I'd be the biggest hypocrite. <laughs> you know? Right. You know, but the fact is they're protesting with guns. This is not a protest. This is an incite violence. This is an incite fear. They're not there, uh, uh, you know, is that when I see them walk into the Michigan Capitol, AK 17s or whatever that is, there, and to the point that they close down the legislature because of these these hooligans, we can't allow that. We can't. We 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 we, 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 we had that in the sixties with the Klan trying to intimidate us with the Klan. And we fought back, and we, you know, we had to stand up to these guys. And, and they're being, they're being encouraged and and and, and pushed on uh, 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 by our president, uh, who's encouraging to take take back your country and all this kind of stuff. Yeah, no, we can't. We 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 can't. We can't allow them. Intimidate us because if we do, it only encourages them to do more. If they had 20 people with guns uh, out there in Michigan, the next time they'll have 100 with guns. And we have to stop this until it gets out of hand. Uh, the, these these people that I, I saw in Charlottesville or what have you, it, remi- it, it, it reminds me. Uh, of, of of the uh, uh, Nazis in the thirties when they marched, we can't. We just can't allow that. We have to show them that uh, uh, that we will stand up and fight back. And and and, and in fact, Cynthia, uh, we are the moral majority. They're not. Mm, wow, that's interesting. So, Leon, our time is almost up. So, um, you're going to be, you're going to stay in the United States for. Pardon me? You're going to be here from now on, right? Yeah, I'll be here. I, I'm back. <laughs> you're back. So, 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 everybody can hide. No, no, I, I'm coming. And I, I just want to thank. Uh, the, the people uh, who have showed me so much, so much love since I've been back, I really appreciate it. My family appreciates it. Uh, so, and I look forward to working with everybody, people like yourself, and getting in the mix. Terrific. So, you've been listening to Leon Van Dyke of the Brothers. Do you have you spoken to anybody else? Who was with you and the brothers since you came back? Yeah, we we uh, uh, we talk uh, or, or over the phone or over the thing. It's, uh, a lot of lot of the uh, guys, a lot of the major guys, are passed away. Uh, uh, so, but I'm in touch with their families and like the Dobbs. Uh, uh, we we I talk with his widow and. Uh, his kids, and they call me Uncle Leon, which I I feel good about that. And, uh-huh. You know, so, uh-huh. so I, I have a. Right. It's not a lot 
a lot of us have moved on, moved to Atlanta, they moved in California. But thanks to, you know, Facebook and cell phones, we're in contact. And uh, uh, as they said, uh, Terrific. So this is Leon Van Dyke, and I'm Cynthia Poole, and this is Focus on Albany. If you like this, you'll like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. Leon, it's always a pleasure to talk to you. Have a great day. Have a great day, everybody. Thank you for listening, and stay safe. Bye. Bye-bye.